Now, last week, I opened up a series called What's in a Worldview. I want you to just remember that, that little word, worldview, because it's so important what our worldview is, that it's a biblical worldview. Now, today, I'm going to call this message, Where Do You Get Your Truth? Where do you get your truth? Who are you listening to? Who has your ear? Who is shaping and forming your opinions? Uh, who is shaping and forming your worldview? It's either going to be the world or it's going to be God. There's no other choice. So I'm going to read out of John chapter 18, verses 37 to 38. Jesus has been arrested um, right after he initiated the Lord's Supper. He's gone to the garden. He has sweated great drops of blood. Now he's been arrested. He's standing in front of Pilate. And Pilate wants to let him go. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Now, we pick it up. Pilate said, so you are a king or are you a king? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. Look at that, folks. What was he a king of? He had no place to lay his head. What does he mean he's a king? He's king of the universe. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But watch. He said to Pilate, you say rightly that I'm a king. Now watch what he says. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to what, everyone? The truth. I'm calling this today, where do you get your truth? Jesus said, I was born into the world to go to the cross and that I should bear witness to the truth. Now look what Pilate said. What is truth? I think that's how he said it. What is truth? I think that's how he said it. I can't back that up, but I think that's how he said it. What is truth? I think he was, I think he was uh, skeptical. I think he was disgusted with the notion of a the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We come to your word, Lord, with great uh, respect and honor, and uh, Lord, we receive it. This is the word of God, and we receive it as the word of God. Now, Lord, I pray you will teach us about a worldview. Help us to develop a biblical worldview. I pray that this church, those that have submitted to the authority of this house, will develop, will, will produce a biblical worldview that we will have our minds renewed. And I pray that you'll give us ears to hear and hearts to understand this today. Pierce the darkness, pierce the fog, clear out the cobwebs, Lord, and help us to understand this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, where do you get your truth? <laughs> oh, this is, I, I said last week, and I mean it, if the Lord had appeared to me and said, okay, Jeff, this is your last series, and I'm taking you home. Uh, so whatever you're going to preach, really pray about it, because this is going to be your last series. This is what I would preach. This is what I would preach. Because there is an incredible need in the church today to have a, a, a biblical worldview. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus did not say he came to bear witness to a truth. No, he didn't say that. Or to truth in general, he didn't say that either. 
He said, I came to bear witness to the, the truth. Now that separates the truth he's talking about from common truth. He's talking about a the truth, some kind of an ultimate truth, an exclusive, non-negotiable, unchanging, unassailable truth, a divine truth, a truth that doesn't change or bend or bow to the whims of men, a truth that remains the truth across generations, across cultures. If it was true a thousand years ago, it's still true today. He came to bear truth or bear witness to uh, the truth, and he was born to die on the cross. Jesus said, I came to die on the cross, is why I was born, and before I die on the cross, I came to bear witness to the truth. Now that tells us that there is an absolute truth. There's, there's relative truth, in other words, it's true that today it's sunshiny and tomorrow it's raining. And so you can't say it's always going to be sunshiny. You can't make it an absolute because it's going to change. So the weather is relative and we understand that. But there is truth that is biblical, that is absolute. It never changes. It doesn't care what we think. We are to acknowledge it and receive it and grow by it and be set free by it. I'm going to show that in just a minute. But Jesus said, I came to bear witness to the truth. Now, the sad thing to me is that here's Pilate. He's standing in front of the embodiment of all truth. He's got the truth standing right in front of him, looking him right in the eye. And he says to the truth, what is truth? But he didn't hang around long enough to get an answer. Isn't that sad? And I almost hear a weariness in Pilate. I almost hear a weariness in him, a frustration with never really having found a truth that he could hang his hat on, uh, uh, that, that he could build his life on. And I think that's where America is. I, I see a weariness in America. We are flailing in the wind. We, we are blown about by so many different things. Our, our nation is, is angry. Our nation is bitter. Our nation is divided. Our nation is confused. Our nation, to me, is like Pilate. What is truth? I wish I knew some truth. I wish I had something I could hang my hat on and build my life on. I, I, I wish there was a truth that I could depend on, that I could wake up in the morning and say, that is true. He is true. God is true. Christ is true. Salvation is real. The Bible is true. But we have sown the wind and now we're reaping the whirlwind and the calling of God on my life is to look right into the eye of people and say, let me tell you something. Let me answer Pilate's question. What is truth? It's standing right in front of you, Pilate. He's standing right in front of you. His name is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, and he is truth. Amen. He is truth and he tells the truth. Amen. Now, I want you to hold that thought for a minute. Let me take us back to last time we were together when I talked to you about a worldview. Everybody listening to me today has a worldview. You've got a worldview right now. You've had a worldview your whole life. Now, it may have changed, but you have a worldview. A worldview is simply how you view the world and everything in it. Isn't that complicated? A worldview is how you view the world, what lens you see the world through. And your worldview is going to be only one of two kinds, 
a worldly worldview based on the beliefs and the values of this present world. Now, follow me carefully because this is on my heart like no other message to the body of Christ. If you were to say to me, what's the greatest need of the body of Christ, Jeff? I would say to you to have a biblical worldview. Because you can be saved and still have a worldly worldview. And that's why so many people don't have victory. They're not walking in in victory in Christ. They're taken down by different habits and sins. They're not walking in the victory that Jesus bought for us because they have not had their minds renewed. See, your worldview is going to be either a worldly worldview or a biblical worldview. And if it's a worldly worldview, you see the world and life and all the important issues of life through the same lens the world does. You see it through the world's values. You see it through the world's beliefs. You see it through the world's morals. You see the world through the lens of the world's worldview. And you can be saved as the day is long, but not have your mind renewed where you have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is based on the beliefs and the values of Scripture. What the Bible says is true. Listen to what the Bible says to Christians. We are told to not be conformed to this world any longer with its values and customs. Can I, can I read that again? Paul says to the Romans, and he says to all of us, all Christians, watch this. Don't be conformed to this world uh, along with its values and its customs. Don't adopt this world's values, this world's beliefs. Don't live like the world, think like the world, walk like the world, talk like the world, because you're not of the world. but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. It's a process over time. How are we transformed? How do we grow up spiritually? By the renewing of our minds. See, when you got saved, your spirit was reborn immediately. Instantly, 100%, you and I got a reborn spirit. I was sitting in jail. I was sitting in juvenile home as a 16-year-old Hippie kid, all confused and angry and full of fear. And when I said, Jesus, come into my heart, a miracle, the greatest miracle available to mankind happened to me. My spirit was instantly 100% reborn. How about you? If you were immediately reborn, give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on. But now watch this. Up here, I was not instantly reborn at all. In my mind, my mind needed to be renewed because I had 16 years of accumulated stinking thinking. All right? I had world's values. I had fears. I had confusion. My, my thinking needed to be renewed. See, God wants to take your old way of thinking and erase it, and he wants to replace it with his way of thinking, which is only done by spending time in the word of God. Listen to what Paul said. Be transformed, I'm going to read it again, and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. So every morning I get into the Word of God. What does the Word of God do when I get into it in the morning? It brainwashes me. It washes my brain. See, brainwashing it is always bad. Everybody who comes to Christ needs a good brainwashing. Amen? And we need a brainwashing all the time. We're living in a dirty world with dirty thinking and dirty actions, and we need brainwashing all the time. The Bible talks about the washing of water by the word of God. So 
We need our minds renewed. And as our minds are renewed, something begins to happen and change. I begin to see the world through God's eyes and not my own and not the world's, but through God's eyes. I develop a biblical worldview. As a Christian, you're either going to be conformed, shaped, and molded into the image of the world. See, our churches, folks, are full of people who say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But when you look at their life, you can tell that they are not bowing to the teaching of the word of God because their lifestyle is not biblical. It's not even Christian a lot of the time. But Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Oh, I got my ticket to fly. But see, their minds aren't being renewed. Their minds aren't being renewed. They're not reading what the Bible has to say about Christian living and life. And so you look at their lifestyle and you go, wait a minute. You say you're a believer, but what I'm seeing, it's not lining up with the word of God at all. You're, you're not morally living for Christ. You're not ethically, you, you know, you, you've got a, you're, you're cussing like a sailor. You're going out on Friday nights and getting drunk and coming to church on Sunday mornings and hallelujah, kumbaya. Some of you are thinking, well, I wish I'd stayed home today. Can I just get real with you folks? Can I, can I get real today? Can I just shoot straight and be real? Because I'm not here to condemn anybody. Believe me, I'm not. Because I know exactly what it is. Listen, we are in a battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. But watch this now. Don't be conformed to this world. Why? Because Satan is the God of this world. The Bible says, little G, he's the God of this world. John says in 1 John 2, 15 to 17, he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here's the, John's description of the world in one fell swoop. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So, so, and then in chapter five, I believe verse 19, John says the whole world is under the influence of the wicked one. So if he's the God of this world, if all that is in the world is contrary to the Father, and if the, if the whole world is under the sway of the little G, God, the devil, then why in the world would I want to think like the world, act like the world, uh, accept the values of this world? Because, folks, this world is at odds with God, and the kingdom of God is at odds with this world. Not the beautiful creation. I love God's creation. I marvel at it every day. But I'm talking about the wicked thought patterns and lifestyles, the hostility against God. This world is in rebellion against God. Why would we let ourselves be like it or think like it or walk like it? So he says we need to develop a worldview that is biblical. It's so important. Now listen carefully. Our worldview is so important because it decides how you view God, how you view man, yourself, life, spiritual things, morality, eternity, heaven, and hell. All those things flow through the lens of your worldview. Your worldview has primarily been shaped Heretofore, right now, sitting out there, and me, myself, the sum total of my worldview is the result of who has taught me through the years, who, who I've listened to, who had my ear, who had my respect, who had my attention, 
who I believe was telling me the truth. That has shaped my worldview. The lifestyle you choose to live, the moral decisions that you decide to make, what you do with the life that God has given you, how you understand your meaning and your purpose, uh, who you've listened to, what you've read, what you've accepted as true. That's what gave you your worldview. The hundreds of decisions you make each and every day flow out of your worldview. So you're not going to act according to what you don't believe. Whatever you believe, that's how you're going to act and live. And furthermore, how you interpret and respond to the button, hot button issues of our day, abortion, same-sex relationships, gun control, socialism versus capitalism, racial issues, all of those things you see through whatever worldview you have sitting there today. How you interpret and respond to them, it's all going to be decided by your worldview. All your conclusions and responses to them will be decided after passing through the sifter of your worldview. Now, let me give you an example. Let's say that you learn that your very best friend has decided to move in with his or her love interest without getting married. Are you against it? Are you grieved over it? Are you okay with it? As long as they're happy, your worldview will determine how you view it and how you respond to your friend, your worldview. Let's say you have a single friend who has turned up pregnant. She has no steady job. Her parents don't know about it, and the father has already moved on. She's alone. She tells you she's considering an abortion and wants your advice. Whether or not your worldview is biblical or worldly will decide your response and the kind of advice you give her. If your worldview is worldly, you're going to say, well, your happiness means more than the baby, so go ahead and get an abortion so you can stay happy. But if you've got a biblical worldview, you will say, the baby's life is more important than your happiness because God cares more about our holiness than he does our happiness. Are you with me? But see, I see Christians all the time being hit with the major hot-button issues of life. And I see many times they respond with a worldly worldview, a worldly response that is not rooted in Scripture. And that's why it's so important that we have a biblical worldview. Because, folks, we're supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. How can we be light if we look like everybody else? How can we be salty if we're just like the world? No, we're supposed to be different. We are. Our, this is not our home. God is our Father. The Bible is our book. Jesus is our Savior. We don't hold the same values. We don't hold the same truth. Can I have an amen today? See, this is why it's so important. What or who has your ear? Who holds your attention? Who you have allowed and are allowing to form and shape your opinions? Dr. Phil? Oprah, or the word of God. Jesus told Pilate, watch this, all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Now follow me. In other words, if you truly love truth, Jesus will have your ear, your attention, your devotion, and he will be the one that shapes your worldview. 
He will be the one. Now, last time we began talking about six foundation stones of a biblical worldview. And the first one was this, that if you have a biblical worldview, you definitely have the conviction that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Now, that is key to having a biblical worldview. If you don't have that worldview, you've got a worldly worldview right off the bat. You need to have your mind renewed. If you claim to be a believer, then you've got to come to the conclusion there is no other way to heaven but Jesus Christ. Buddha won't get you there. Muhammad won't get you there. Um, Being a good person won't get you there. Hugging a tree won't get you there. Cleaning up the climate won't get you there. Only the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Christ will get us to heaven. And that's a biblical worldview. Amen? Amen. Now, let me look at a second foundation stone today, really actually two of them. And here's the first one, the conviction that Jesus and God's word are where we get our truth. Jesus and God's word are where we get our truth. Amen. It is the belief that whatever Jesus says is true. Remember, he said, I came to bear witness to the truth. So whatever he said, whatever he taught, was the truth. Unassailable, non-negotiable, absolute truth for everybody in all times, in all cultures, forever until Christ returns. It's the truth. So whatever Jesus says is true about morals, ethics, money, eternity, heaven, hell, people, prayer, is our truth too. It's my truth. See, you know, the world is so competing with Jesus to get you to believe things that are not biblical, to get you to accept values that are not biblical or kingdom values. Every single day on TV, uh, in the radio, what you read, who you talk to, this world is actively trying to affect the way you think and shape your worldview. And we're not to be conformed to the world. So, What is the option? Well, whatever Jesus says is true about all things. It's true. Can everybody say that with me? Whatever Jesus says about all things, it's true. And it's my truth. Amen. So if somebody comes along and tries to teach me something, and it happens every day, that that goes against what Jesus said, it's not true. It's not true. Paul the Apostle was very clear about taking this stand. Look what he said. If anybody advocates a different doctrine, doctrine is teaching. It it is what you believe about life and about God. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. And then he says to Christians, flee from these things, you man or woman of God. So whatever doesn't line up with what Jesus said, we're we're to reject them and flee from them because my worldview is going to be shaped by Jesus, not the world. Amen? I don't see things like the world. I don't see morals or ethics or anything, God or anything like the world. Jesus himself was very, very clear about being the ultimate source of truth. What did he say? He looked at a crowd one day and he said, let me tell you something. I am the way. I am the truth. There's that phrase again, not a truth. I don't just know the truth. I am the truth. I came to bear witness to the truth. I am the truth. 
and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through me. He didn't just say he knew the truth. He said he was the truth. And everything he said was the truth. He's the opposite of the devil. How do you know the devil's lying if he's talking? Anything the devil says, it might be a half-truth or it might be a total lie. But the devil never, ever, ever utters a truth. Jesus is the opposite. He never, ever, ever utters a lie. He tells the truth about all things. He, he, he'll never lie to you. Everything he said, you can bank on it, build your life on it, stake your life on it, and your eternal future on it. Because Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. God's truth, ultimate, non-negotiable, unchanging, eternal truth is embodied in Jesus Christ. So whatever he says about life, that's my truth. Whatever he teaches me, that's my truth. Now, we also note that while praying for his, his church in John 17, Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Now, follow these words. Your word is truth. Now, I want you to say that with me, would you? Your word is, if you have your Bible, hold it up. I should have brought one out with me. I've got it all written, but if you've got a Bible, hold it up and wave it. Now, I want you to know you're holding in your hand the truth, the unvarnished truth, the truth of God. So I want you to hold it up again and say, this is the truth about all things. Follow me, church. That's the truth. Jesus said, your word is truth. So to develop a biblical worldview, we must not only view Jesus as our ultimate source of truth, but the Bible along with it. See, as soon as I get saved and you got saved, that Bible became my instruction manual for living. It became my truth. It became the book that is going to teach me how to live, how to walk, how to please God, how to view the world. I'm going to view it through the lens of the Bible. And every day I read the Bible so that I can even better view the world through the lens of the Bible. Do you know that when you begin to see life through the lens of the Bible, everything makes sense? All the suffering, the war, the bloodshed, the tumult, the way our planet is always rocked by trouble, all the hatred, all the murder, all the killing, everything, it all makes sense when you see it through the lens of the Bible. Because the Bible says that man fell into sin. And when he fell into sin, that he immediately became the enemy of God. And we do sinful things and we do terrible things. We do it because we have a fallen nature and fallen hearts. And we need a redeemer. And when I see the, the, the world, what it says, what the Bible says about creation, it all makes sense. I know that I'm not here because of evolution. I am not here because some amoeba in some distant sea trillions of years ago crawled out and grew legs and one day began to fly and then morphed into a monkey and then morphed into man. No, 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 no. You're not going to make a monkey out of me. I did not come from that. When I read what the Bible says, the Bible tells me in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when I see that, it all makes sense. Because what you see in creation is the handiwork of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament, that is the land, shows his artistic handiwork. 
Day unto day they utter speech. Night after night they show forth knowledge. There is not a voice nor language where their voice is not heard. They, they preach the reality of God. If you wonder if God is real, look at what he made. You know, you don't look at the Mona Lisa and say, wow, how long did it take for this to just happen? This frame, this beautiful painting, the faint smile, it must have taken trillions of years and all kinds of storms and, and, and unbelievable uh, uh, happenings and occurrences for this painting to finally appear. Shazam! No, the first thing you want to know when you look at the Mona Lisa is, who painted this? And when you look at the creation, the first thing you ought to say is, who did this? And the answer is, God did this. God did it. What the Bible says about creation, world history, the fall of man into sin, Noah's flood, the devil, God, the virgin birth, all are true, and they should shape our worldview. Amen? All scripture is given by inspiration of God, all of it. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. David said, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. All of it is relevant, life-changing, and true. You can trust the word of God. You can bank your life on the word of God. Amen? Now, the last thing I want to talk about in closing is the effect that God's truth has on us. The effect. Jesus said to those who believed on him, if you hold to my teaching, if you receive my truth, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Watch this. There's that the truth, his truth, and the truth will set you free. There's two kinds of imprisonment in the world. Physical imprisonment and spiritual imprisonment. Physical imprisonment, we know what that is. You're in prison. You're in jail. You're locked up. You can't go and do what you want to do. You're locked up. That's physical imprisonment. But there's spiritual imprisonment. And that is when you are under the control of sin and Satan. And the Bible says that until you know Jesus Christ, you're spiritually imprisoned. So Jesus wasn't talking about being let out of jail physically. He said, you'll know my truth and the truth will set you free. He's talking about being set free from spiritual imprisonment. The Apostle Paul said, let me tell you what spiritual imprisonment is like. I don't understand myself at all. I'm quoting Paul. I don't understand myself at all. I really want to do what's right, but I can't. I do what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, but I can't help myself. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. It's plain where the trouble is. Sin has me in its evil grasp. So I am spiritually imprisoned. And when Jesus said, you will know my truth and the truth will set you free, he was talking about setting you free from spiritual imprisonment where the devil's power doesn't hold you, sin doesn't grip you. You are not under its sway, but you have been set free on the inside. So you can be in prison on the outside, but be set free on the inside. And you can be free physically, but all bound up inside, real freedom. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, if the sun sets you free, you really will be free free on the inside 
That's the power of God's truth. I'm so glad today that the things I used to do, I don't have to do them anymore, that I can look sin in the face and say, no, by the power of God in me, I don't have to do what you're telling me to do. And I can say to Satan, get out of here in the name of Jesus. I don't have to obey you anymore. Because the truth shall make you free. Can we stand up and give the Lord a hand of praise? Amen. Amen. Come on. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. How many of you are glad you've been set free? Seriously, free. How many of you can say, man, I used to be so bound up, but no more. Come on. Things used to have me, but no more. This lady who came up to me uh, last week after the first service, she may be in here, and her husband was with her, and she said, Pastor Jeff, I was hooked on crack cocaine. I could not stop crack cocaine. That's a terrible addiction. And she said, I didn't know what I was going to do. And the husband looked at me and said, I was this close to walking out on her and leaving her because she went back and forth. She would get off it and go back into it, get off it and go back into it. Hooked. Physically to something that spiritually enslaved her. And she said, then I heard about Celebrate Recovery and that Celebrate Recovery taught Jesus Christ and how he can set you free. And I came to Celebrate Recovery and I heard the principles of the word of God. What she heard was the truth. And she said, I have been off crack cocaine now for over 14 months. And that's huge, folks. That's huge. I've been off crack cocaine 14 months and some change. And she said, I'm so thankful that Jesus set me free. See, I'm preaching to you a Christ that will set you free on the inside. No longer enslaved. Amen. So when you, in closing, let me just say a biblical worldview, the more you develop one, the freer you get. That's why it's so important. You'll progressively know the truth. And the truth will progressively more and more set you free. Amen. That's why we preach the Bible around here. You don't want to know what I think. You want to know what the Bible says. Amen. So can we lift our hands to the Lord and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the truth. Lord, give me a biblical worldview. Pray it with me, everybody. Lord, help me to develop a biblical worldview. And I confess that what Jesus says is my truth and what the Bible teaches is my truth and the shaper of my worldview. 